0: We're going to be uh, having a a final look at James chapter 5. We've been looking together at a a letter in the New Testament that was written by a man called James. He was a a brother of Jesus, and you can find the passage we're looking at on on page uh, 1216 uh, of the Bibles. If uh, if you have one nearby, or if you've got one on your phone, or if not, don't worry, um, just uh, listen along. So, um, we were here in the, uh, in the last chapter last week, but there is a huge amount in James chapter 5, and um, I think, uh, hold on, last week was Advent Sunday, uh, and uh, we were looking at how Advent kind of celebrates the fact that Jesus came into the world, uh, God came in Jesus, and broke into human history at And that was a a promise that was given uh, to God's people, the Jewish people in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before. And they'd been waiting, waiting, waiting. Uh, And there was this promise that was given. And after all those years of waiting, then Jesus came. And uh, James talks about waiting here in chapter 5. But the waiting he's talking about is not waiting for Jesus to come the first time, but Jesus to come... come come back again this is going to be a great audio isn't it (laughs) Ah, Sophie Sophie uh, Sophie was making a break for it so that's fine okay great Right. Okay. Uh, if we could just shut the door, closed door, could we? Is that okay? Thank you. Right. In James chapter one, uh, chapter five, verse seven, James says, "Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains." You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of of compassion and mercy above all my brothers and sisters do not swear not by heaven or by earth or by anything else all you need to say is a simple yes or no otherwise you will be condemned waiting says james for the lord's return and we thought about that last week as as paul uh, robinson led us in in thinking about that passage and that waiting for the Lord's return, James uses these pictures. He says it's like a farmer waiting for the harvest. Rains need to come. Has to wait. And, and James says to the believers, stand firm. Don't give up. Wait. Do you sometimes feel like a farmer waiting to see fruit grow? Fruit maybe in your life. Maybe things to change. Maybe something you're longing to be different. James says, well, there's that kind of waiting. And he goes on to talk about waiting in suffering. He says there, be patient in suffering. Many, many of us might know that as well. We suffer. It's hard. We have physical things to deal with sometimes. Or he talks about the prophets and the prophets in the Old Testament. What were they waiting for? They were waiting for God's word to be fulfilled i mean isaiah one of the prophets had a terrible job you know remember isaiah he got called by god to be a prophet and he was actually told isaiah i want you to declare my word i want you to keep proclaiming i want you to keep telling my people god said to come back to me and by the way nobody's going to take any notice of you whatsoever the whole time but you carry on that was tough and sometimes it can be like that in our lives too Waiting for God's word to be fulfilled. Job is mentioned. He suffers. He didn't know why he was suffering. And his big question was why. And he, he waited and waited. And he went through suffering. And, to, and, and he didn't actually find out the full answer. Although he did meet God and found that there were more important things to consider than why he himself was going through that tough time so here's the question how good are we at waiting how good are you how good am i but mary's here she can tell you afterwards i'll tell you not very good so you're on the m25 or you're on the m27 even better you you say imagine for example you know take say imagine your parents live near the m27 at whiteley just imagine that might happen, uh, and just imagine you come onto the the motorway thinking you'll get back to Southampton in you know quarter of an hour, and you're stuck. Or imagine you know just hypothetically you drive around Whiteley and go down Botley, and you find yourself stuck in a queue from almost Burridge to um, Botley. How do you get on? Or or you're there with the kids on the M25 going on holiday. What kind of words come out of your mouth? during those times. For me, not very good ones sometimes. And it's interesting, isn't it? James talks about waiting, and then he talks about the kind of words that come out of our mouths. Because James is really... Um, important. Words are really important to James. He says, "Don't grum- while you're waiting, don't grumble about others. Don't be like kids in the back of the car, you know, on the M25 when... Everyone starts fighting with each other, you know, and then your parents get. Right, and you, you can't quite. Because in our day, this was allowed. But you can't quite reach around to, you know, whack them or whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I'd better take that off. The- <laughs> uh, what do we like at waiting? James says, "Don't grumble against other Christians while we're waiting. Don't get all scratchy with God." Or sometimes we can use language as a way of expressing our frustration. Sometimes we use language to try and add weight. Or we use our language as as a tool to try and control something which we want to control. And verse 12 talks about we swear or we make oaths, not by heaven or earth. And I think James is talking about, it's actually a reference to what Jesus said. That We shouldn't swear by heaven. We shouldn't try and add weight to our words by saying, by heaven this, or by the earth that. or Because the Jewish people, they weren't allowed to say by God, they, but they kind of say by heaven or by earth or whatever. And, Je- and Jesus said, don't do that. Your words shouldn't be like that. You know, while, <coughs> while you're waiting, says James, wait and trust God. Use your words in a, in a good way. Don't try and manipulate the situation. Don't try and manipulate other people. Don't try and manipulate God by the words you use, he's saying. And James is saying us also not to forget what we're actually waiting for. He says we're waiting for the Lord to come. And when he comes, we'll be accountable to him. So we better be careful that when he comes, we hear from him. We want to hear him say, well done, don't we? That's what we want to hear him say. We don't want to lose out when he returns and we see him face to face. What comes out of our mouths is important. Why? Why does James say so much about what comes out of our mouths? Do you remember what Jesus said about words? Anyone remember? In Matthew he said, Out of the, the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. So actually, our words reveal our hearts. And that's what James is really after, that our hearts are in the right place with God. Well, as we're waiting, what happens? Well, stuff happens, doesn't it, as we wait. All kinds of things go on. Maybe some of you are too uh, young to know about this or remember him. Well, a lot of you won't remember him, but... Some of us will remember Harold Macmillan. Anyone remember Harold Macmillan? I can just about remember him. I must have been a boy when he was Prime Minister. Others of you will wonder who I'm talking about if you don't do modern history. He was the Prime Minister at one time uh, of of Britain, right in the early 60s, I think. He he had his rule and he uh, saw himself as a great statesman. And somebody asked him once uh, what the greatest challenge for a statesman would be. Quite an important question. You should have asked uh, Boris Johnson or Jeremy Corbyn that on the, on the TV. Do you know what he said? He said, the greatest challenge for a statesman are events, my dear boy, he said, events. Stuff happens. And all kinds of things can happen to us as we wait. And verses 13 to 19 Go through the different kinds of things that can happen. See if you can spot different things that can happen to us while we're waiting in verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray, verse 13. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Did you spot different things that can happen? Different events that can come into our lives? First of all, is anyone among you in trouble? He says, in distress. Things can go wrong for us, can't they? Stuff happens. Trouble can come from various places. Sometimes we make a dumb mistake and we kind of bring it on ourselves. Sometimes it's a result of what other people can do and we get caught up in it. It can come from all kinds of areas. So what do we do when we're in trouble? Well, James says, is anyone in trouble? Let them pray. <clears throat> we can bring that trouble to God, it says. Just to ask God to help us in the trouble that we're in. If you look in the Psalms, that's the, the bit in the middle of the Bible, full of prayers and, and, and songs. We don't have the music, unfortunately, but we've got the words in the Psalms. And they're often from people who are in trouble, and they're, they're saying to God, I'm in trouble. Help me, please come near to me. Sometimes they're feeling very low. And and you can read David, who's the, the, the person who wrote most of the Psalms, is King David from the Old Testament. He was always in different kinds of scrapes and trouble. And he brought it to God in prayer. James, the person who's writing this letter was there. He remembers, because we're very early on in this, uh, the story of, uh, of the Bible in, in, the, in the New Testament, after Jesus rose from the dead and was ascended to heaven. James was there in that first church in Jerusalem. James remembers when Peter and John, two of the leaders, were arrested. And held in custody overnight. And remember that story? And they were let out the next day, and the, the chief priests and rulers said, Don't you tilt to people any more about Jesus? And they said, We're sorry, we, we can't stop talking about him. Do you remember what happened next? They go back to the church. The next thing that happens in Acts four, the church prayed. They came together and they prayed. They were in trouble and they prayed. Or later on, do you remember in the book of Acts in, in chapter 12, when the other James, not this James, obviously, because he's, he's alive and written this letter, but James the Apostle, the, the, the brother of John the Apostle, was executed. And uh, Peter was arrested. And he was going to trial the next day, almost certainly to be executed himself. What did the church do in Acts chapter 12? It prayed. He came together, had a special prayer meeting, carried on praying all through that night where they knew the next day Peter could be executed. You know the story? He got out miraculously. And he went, he went, he went wandering around Jerusalem, went to find where they were praying, knocked on the door. It's all in Acts 12. Uh, and the girl that opened the door, opened the door, went, ah, shut the door again. Because they said, uh, and they went and told the rest of the people who were praying said, Peter's outside. And they said, don't be ridiculous. Peter can't be outside. He must have been dead already and you must have seen his ghost. I don't know about faith, but they were praying. They were in trouble and they prayed. What do we do in trouble? We pray. And what about another kind of circumstance? What about happy times? We sing. This is really interesting, isn't it? Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. That's a great thing. It's a great discipline. You may be a rubbish singer in one sense, but to have something in your heart that you, that there's a joy that comes out in singing. Singing prayers is really important. That's why singing in church is important. Actually, it's why it's great to come to church. Some of us can't get here every week. And, and I think, I don't know, when, when I don't go to church, I... I come and I, I, I'm usually here, I have to say, but I miss the singing. Have you ever been to a huge event? Something like Spring Harvest or New Wine or, you know, sometimes on a Sunday evening I go to another church. Oh dear, I shouldn't tell you that, but it's I'm fine, it's one, one kingdom. So I might go to a big church like King's Community or Buff Bar or somewhere where there's a really big crowd of people singing. Anyone know that experience? It's great, isn't it? Isn't it good? Singing here is good. It's easier to sing in a larger group. (coughs) Singing, that sense of a a discipline of worship as we live our lives. James is saying, if you're happy, sing. And we need to capture that. And it's important because when we're praying, when we're in trouble, when we're singing, we're bringing it to God when things are going well. (coughs) We're saying, God, you're part of my life. I want you to be part of my life. I'm recognizing that, God, you're with me. And sometimes as we sing, we can be aware. Sometimes when we're struggling, singing can touch us in our emotions. And the joy of other people can flow into our lives. Or a word in a song will just capture us. Sometimes I get really emotional when I sing. I don't know why that is as I get older. And I can't sing the words because I'm just so full of joy and emotion. It's a great thing to do. But it's saying, God, I want you to be part of my life. What kind of life is this? One where we know God is part of it, whether there's trouble or joy. Calvin, the uh, reformer, very old dude, in in, uh, the 16th or 17th century, said this, James means that there is no time in which God does not invite us to himself. No time when God does not invite us to himself. We have, we have an open welcome to his presence. Remember a few weeks ago we were thinking that James's great theme is that we come near to God. And we stay near to God. And uh, I guess that's what uh, uh, that uh, uh, reformer Calvin was saying. So there's uh, another thing. There's sickness here. That also comes into our lives. And the, the picture here is of someone who is actually very sick indeed. Um... It's implied here, the word that when it refers to the sick person, the, sick, the prayers of, of faith will raise up the sick person. It's of, of someone who's very ill. That doesn't mean we only pray for people who are very, very ill and close to death, perhaps. But the picture James is talking of it, of somebody in an extreme position, and, and because the person can't go out, he, the person asks for the elders to come to their home. Um, they can't be part of the regular community. Actually, if you read it, it's saying that it's actually the, the elders' prayer that is answered. The person themselves can't, almost can't pray for themselves. And so they say, can, can the elders of the church, the leaders of the church, come and pray and uh, anoint with oil? That was something that was done. and We, we actually do that here. Um, people who are are, are sick... Ask the elders, if you are in that category, you'd like the elders to come, we will come and pray and anoint with oil. Because that's what God says we can do. And uh, you know, sometimes we see amazing things happen when people can be uh, restored to health, perhaps for longer than we thought they might have. Ultimately, everybody's going to die at some point. Or sometimes God just brings his grace and strength and something happens in the person and they are lifted up, although they may not be completely healed forever afterwards, as it were. But it's something we can do when we are sick. So if you need that, take the opportunity. It's interesting, it's not the sick person's faith, it's the elder's faith. So, some of us may think, you know, whether you're healed or not has got nothing to do with your faith, your personal faith. It's to do with God's power and God's purpose. And He can heal us and we can ask Him for that. He does on some occasions. On other occasions, He chooses to help us in other ways to bear the thing we're going through. And there's another thing that we can find ourselves in uh, the circumstances. It says of sinning. Tells us here in verse 16 to confess your sins to each other. We can know health and healing in our our lives when we know we've done something wrong. Now it's mentioned in the context of sickness to start with. It says in verse 16. Fifteen And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's a, 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 now, sometimes it may be that someone who is ill is aware. Their conscience becomes very much kind of more sensitive. And they're aware that there's something that, that that's wrong and they, they want to put it right with the Lord. It's not, that's not the reason they're sick most of the time. Occasionally, we do read occasionally in the Bible that, that things that we've done wrong can have um, effects in our physical health. That's true. But most mostly in the Bible, we don't see that. In fact, Jesus, on one occasion, remember the disciples, there's a blind man standing there, asked Jesus, they said, because the Jews believed that was always to do with sin. So the disciples said to Jesus, That man's blind. Whose fault is it? Is it his fault? Is it because of his sin or his parents? And Jesus said, no, no, not at all. It's neither of them. It's nothing to do in his case with sin. It's for another purpose. God has a purpose in in what happened next and so on. But the, the, the picture is that we can find ourselves sinning and we need to confess that to one another. Not necessarily the whole group, but to another believer and say, do you know I'm wrong here? Will you just pray with me? I'm going to ask God's forgiveness, and I think it's good if another believer is with me. It's a good thing to do. Confess sin as part of our community. Because all of this is about our life together. Prayer together is really important. It's how we can stay close to the Lord. We come near to God. How do we stay near to God? Our prayer life together is important and then there's another type of prayer mentioned here we've had prayer in trouble we've had prayer for in in happiness of that singing of praise that we've got prayer for someone to be uh, uh, raised up from sickness we've got prayer for forgiveness of sin within our communities there's one other one that's elijah what was the big deal about elijah what did elijah pray for Since he prayed for rain, uh, sorry, he prayed that it would not rain and it didn't. And then he prayed, it's an Old Testament story. The key phrase, I think, is that he prayed, well, I want to pick it up here. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Elijah prayed for his nation. It's another kind of prayer, isn't it? Uh, With a very special time in Israel, Elijah had a special commissioning from God. And I guess it would be unusual for us to pray that it would stop raining in Britain for three and a half years and then start again. But the principle that we as God's people can pray for the nation and pray God's purposes at work in the nation seems to be something that James might be hinting at here. So it's good to pray. I wonder what we should pray for at the moment in our nation. Any ideas? (laughs) Like Elijah. Elijah had real vulnerabilities, he had real weaknesses, but God used him to defeat evil and bring his truth. Why? Because although he was, it says here, he was even as we are, the old version says Elijah was just like us, (laughs) he wasn't anything special he had a special job to do but in himself he had all kinds of things that he struggled with you know he got so discouraged with god that he wanted to die you know he'd just been used amazingly by god he just defeated evil um an amazing story in the old testament and the next thing he completely collapses he's exhausted broken empty finished that was elijah He was just a normal, vulnerable person like us. But he prayed and God heard him. And then, verse 19, James finishes the letter really like he started. There's a picture there of someone on a road. He says, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, someone should bring that person back. James started his letter with this idea that we're on a road it's a process and trials will come all kinds of things may happen but it's a journey that we're on towards seeing Jesus and still um, James is, is saying in the last chapter he, he's back at that we're on this road in our lives with with good stuff difficult stuff challenging stuff trials and what do we do we ask God for wisdom on the road and we look to the fact that It will end and it will end when we see Jesus face to face and receive that prize that he he promises us in good or difficult circumstances. So he's back, James is back at the end of his book to the reality of this road of waiting for harvest, waiting for God to work, waiting for his um, word to be fulfilled, waiting for answers in our suffering. He's honest about how tough the Christian life can be as we wait we need that perseverance don't we knowing that the lord will come again and i think this final little paragraph here gives us an idea of how we can actually do it how are we going to do it a whole book is all about that james has got all kinds of things to help us but this picture of a community a whole community of people who pray together who confess their sins to one another, who ask God together for (coughs) healing and wholeness for one another, who as ordinary, weak and vulnerable people like Elijah, find amazing things happening as we pray to the God we know. So it's a picture of a community of people helping one another to stay close to God. And that's why there's a picture right at the end of saying, if someone wanders off this road, well, Others come alongside them and help them back because they've noticed and because they care and because they're in this loving community that support one another. That's the way we can live that life. Not just the one person who needs to ask in faith to receive wisdom. It's not that you're on your own struggling through. The picture is, a, is of a community who pray together, who confess and And understand and forgive and who look outward together. Someone in this picture in verse 19 and 20 comes back to Jesus, comes back to the life they once lived with Jesus because someone has brought them back. Someone went and found them. Someone left a message or sent a text or made a phone call, or just said, you know, I'm missing you, we're missing you. So here's the question then. How are we going to be that kind of community? Because we need to be like that. We need to be like that when we're together on Sundays. Maybe we need to be like that in small groups, or maybe we can be like that as we meet up with one another in different ways. Maybe just the fact that we learn how to talk about That this is a road that we're on together. And that my faith in Jesus, my experience of Jesus, is not some personal, private thing that I can't put into any words or whatsoever, or certainly couldn't have a conversation with you about. It's about a shared life together. We find our way back to the truth, to the person, Jesus, who said, I am the truth and the life and the way Meeting with others as we pray, challenge each other, be accountable to one another. There's such a lot in James about the power of our words, the connection with our heart. And it's only as we, in a sense, are willing to have perhaps deeper conversations with one another. Not everybody. We can't all be as deep with one another as we can with some. But that sense that together we, what's in our heart gets put in our words and we support one another. So that's where James ends, with this amazing picture of a community, and it's what we want to be as God's people.